This is Ye Old Dragons Library, the storytelling podcast. This is the place to hear fantastical fiction and hear from authors of fantastical news stories. This episode is another chapter in the fantasy novel Plantwise, book one in the Steward's World series. If you're ready for the magic of story, let's begin. Chapter 12 No, he was not the fool. Fools were those who thought the adoration would last, who looked at the brides with bedazzled eyes, vowing themselves to slavery through their hearts. Bianca looked at him the same way he knew, but that was different. Wives were supposed to worship their husbands. Maddox looked at Bianca sitting beside him under the canopied pavilion for the noble guests and smiled. The healers were fools. High time for Bianca to give him another son. If she died giving birth, so be it. Common sense said to kill Darian before Arden got herself pregnant and ruined her admittedly stunning beauty. Yes, the timing would work out quite well. She would believe herself heartbroken, and he could convince her that she would find healing and shelter in his arms. He would appeal to their shared heartbreak, both of them bereaved, if necessary. With such thoughts in his head, Maddox was able to smile and cheer with everyone else when Arden and Darian sealed their vows with a kiss. The enclosed pavilion for the royal family and their special guests was mercifully empty when Darian escorted Arden to it late on the afternoon of their wedding. She protested that she was fine when he insisted she rest. In truth, her feet did hurt a little, She wasn't used to so many hours straight in shoes, cut off from contact with the soil. Arden kicked off her crystal-beaded wedding slippers the moment they stepped through the cloth flap of the door. Her new husband only laughed at her. He kissed her as he guided her to the couch, lingering for many delightful seconds, quite stealing her breath away. She gasped a little when he started to draw away, and Darian laughed again. Don't! Arden caught her breath as he pressed her hand to his lips, and a thrill shot through her body at the simple touch. His eyes spoke promises to her, mixed with his laughter and his concern for her. She couldn't speak for a moment, and in that moment he took his leave. She sank back against the thick cushions of one of the many couches filling the long pavilion and chuckled a little. Several times, as she prepared for their wedding, Arden had wondered about Maddox's reaction when he came to the ceremony, if he came at all. Thoughts of him had put a bitter note in her joy, and she had pushed his image resolutely away. Still, he kept sneaking back, and she wondered what his face would show when he realized she was in love with Darian. To be honest, she wanted him to be jealous, to be furious, to be stricken with the realization of what he had lost— She wanted him to confess that he had stolen her tree and beg for her help in stemming the slowly growing seepage of poison throughout Stonemount as a result of his lies and theft. Arden hadn't seen Maddox and Bianca when she stepped up to the altar to make her vows, and she was too happily nervous to look for them. Darian filled her vision, her heart, her world. A few leaves sprouted and the roses twined in her hair and a new bud appeared among the thornless stems with a faint popping noise. Arden sputtered laughter and wondered if anyone would notice. If she kept this up, 
Her rose crown would be three times bigger at the end of the day than when it had started. It was a good thing she had put aside her bouquet at the end of the ceremony. It had started trailing roots, and some of the white roses were turning pink and red, accurate reflections of her feelings for Darian, she admitted, with a sigh that tended toward a giggle. Pitchers of wine and cider and fruit-flavored water filled the sideboard, among bowls of fruit and sweets, and pastries for the enjoyment of guests who came to escape the crowds in the gardens. As King Alfred had done for her christening, the palace gardens were open for the common people to share the celebration. Arden supposed there were three storerooms worth of little gifts already piled up at the garden gates, left by guests on their way to the many celebrations scattered throughout Portham. She teetered between laughter and tears when she considered the gifts she had seen. Dainty lace shawls and thick socks, jars of preserved fruit, braids of onions, jars of dried spices and sweets, and baby clothes, dozens of little blankets and caps and shirts in all sizes and colors. She lost her breath, just seeing all the nappies and rattles and decorations for the crib. She wouldn't have to make anything when she and Darian had their first child, or their fourth or fifth. She wanted children, lots of children. Arden shivered and wrapped her arms tight around herself to still the quivering sensation that came every time she considered that making love with Darian would eventually put a baby in her belly. Besides, every time she did that, four pops answered her unfinished thought, and she burst out laughing as her crown felt noticeably heavier. Oh! A delicate, breathy voice exclaimed, effectively announcing Queen Bianca's entrance into the royal pavilion. I thought I was imagining things. Have they changed color yet? Arden smothered laughter and turned to face the newcomer. Bianca was a confection, as always, in pale blue, trimmed in lace and silver and diamonds, all fluff and feathers and sweetness. It was hard to be angry with her, even knowing Alex nursed a wounded heart. Arden knew her brother was much better off without the good-hearted but flighty girl. He would not have resented protecting and guiding Bianca for the rest of his life, but it would have drained him. Well, the tiniest ones are rather pink. Bianca giggled and rustled loudly as she crossed the carpet and settled down on the couch opposite Arden. Why do you do that? I don't do it on purpose, believe me. She wished she could be friends with Bianca, but knew Maddox would never allow it. Arden had heard enough rumors of the changes in Stonemount and the things his supporters said about her. She could guess what Maddox would do with any overtures of friendship to his wife. He would likely say Arden was jealous and angling to destroy his marriage, at the very least. While it riled her to refrain from striking back, Every time another report of Maddox's ridiculous, cruel statements reached her, Arden tried to act as if she didn't care, that his words, his lies, didn't matter. That grew harder as she felt the apple tree shrivel and its inner core of magic darken as a result of his lies and false accusations. Glenna and her parents, and the older, wiser souls, maintained that if they fought Maddox's poison— they would only muddy the waters and make things worse. If they left him alone, eventually his poison would turn around and bite him. How are you? she asked, shaking herself free of her thoughts. She had to attend to her guests, after all. I am glad you could come to the wedding. 
despite how Alex feels? A flash of guilt wrinkled Bianca's pretty little face for a moment. My brother never had a broken heart before. He'll recover. She bit her tongue to keep from adding, I did, and very quickly. But how are you? Tell me about your son. Like any new mother, mention of her baby turned Bianca into a chatterbox and effectively saved Arden from having to make polite, safe conversation. She cringed and hoped it didn't show when Bianca begged her to have a daughter first so their children could marry and seal the union between their kingdoms. Was Maddox starting that particular scheme already? Arden vowed she would never step foot in Stonemount, and neither would any child of hers as long as Maddox ruled. Not until the land had been cleansed and her apple tree's magic was healed. Oh, I almost forgot. Bianca blushed daintily. I wanted to ask you about the apple tree. Apple tree? Arden would have thought Bianca would never know about the tree. What sort of lies had Maddox told her about it? The apple tree you gave Maddox. I know he says some high and mighty wizards gave it to him, but that's just male pride. Uncle Ambrose told me you made it. So I know you can help it, even if nobody else can. How is Ambrose? I haven't heard from him in months, she said, rather than the truth, that she hadn't heard from Ambrose since before King Doyne had died. Better to talk about him, however, than inform Bianca that Maddox had stolen the tree. He hasn't heard from you either. But I write to him every three months. Well, someone steals your letters then, because he never hears from you, Bianca shrugged. But about the tree... I'm worried about the tree. It droops. I don't know anything about trees, but none of the other trees in the garden have started turning colors yet. The apple tree is brown, and it won't let go of its leaves. Do you know what's wrong with it? What sort of trick was Maddox playing? Had he sent Bianca to trick Arden into revealing information that he could use against her? She shuddered at a brief image of Maddox chopping down the tree if he ever learned that she could feel the tree's condition, its suffering, he would kill the tree to hurt her. That was just the kind of man he had revealed himself to be. Bianca, this is important. Magic turns deadly if one person hoards it, if he surrounds it with lies. The tree was created to be shared. Don't eat the apples. Don't give them to anyone you care about. There'll be poison until Maddox tells the truth about how he obtained the tree and then shares them with the entire kingdom. As if her words had been a summons, Glinna floated through the wall of the tent and hovered between the two young women. But they're magical healing apples. How can they turn to poison? Bianca bleated. I know they will. Don't eat the apples, I beg you. But you wouldn't hurt me, would you? I thought we were friends. We are. Arden choked on the need to laugh at such a ridiculous statement. Just what kind of an idiot was Bianca? Just the kind of idiot I would have been, she thought, if I had continued to believe Maddox's lies and eloped with him when he asked me. Arden felt sick, and a moment later she felt light enough to fly. She was free of him and married to Darian, just as she had dreamed for years. No, that can't be true! Where other women would turn red, Bianca only went more pale. You're jealous! Jealous? On my wedding day? Don't be a greater fool than you already are! With a squeak, Bianca jumped to her feet and fled the pavilion in tears. Well, at least you tried, Glenna said, 
and floated down to perch on the couch next to Arden. Sometimes the truth isn't pretty or tactful. We've come to a break in the story. I'd like to take a moment to tell you about a book that you might be interested in reading. The Guardians of the Time Stream are coming back. The Steampunk Gas Lamp Quartet will be re-releasing July 15th with new covers in print, ebook, and audio. Look for the entire series, starting with Odessa Fremont, then The Blue Lotus Society in September, Sanctuary in November, and Music in the Night in January. And check the Yield Dragon Books website to get the Guardians of the Time Stream short Christmas story, Crystal Christmas, at a discount price in the month of December. Members of the Yield Dragons Library Patreon group will have a chance to get the short story for free. This week's Storytellers episode of the Ye Old Dragons Library, releasing Saturday, July 8th, will be a chat with author Tim Frankovich about his newest novel, Certainty of Blood, as well as his previous two series, Dragon Tech Lore and Heart of Fire. Come join us and hear about his process of writing and where his ideas come from, and maybe some hints of what he plans to write next. And now... Back to the story. It was a perfect late fall day, warm and bright, the fields green with the first sprouting of the winter wheat, the trees crimson and gold. The crops this harvest had been four times more abundant than last year. The people all attributed their blessings to Princess Arden, as they had attributed the harvest to her the year she was born. The young bride was blissfully unaware of the adoration of her people, enwrapped in adoring her handsome, adoring husband. That afternoon, she stood at her work table by the window, looking out over the gardens. As had become habit, she didn't see the trees or the late flowering vines. She only saw her husband and brother, slowly strolling through the gardens as they talked. As always, when they had a serious discussion, the two gestured with their hands, or sometimes stopped and punctuated their words with a stomp, or shook their heads, or, when they laughed, slapped each other on the back, or pushed the other away. She smiled, hearing their laughter float up to her window. She completely ignored the seedling in its small pot in her cupped hands, until Glinna grew tired of hovering and waiting. "'You have to concentrate, dear,' she smiled, completely understanding the ways of young love. "'I know, Auntie, but—' Arden sighed. I didn't drain myself of all magic with my first tree, but maybe I started trying too soon with this one? The apple seedling was only eight inches tall. It had a good number of leaves, but nothing like the amazing growth of the first tree. Still, the leaves were bright and thick and darkly green, visibly quivering with life, and glowed a soft, sparkling golden green. Like your attention— Maybe your strength is divided, Glynna suggested after a moment of thought. Her eyes brightened, and her sympathetic smile suddenly widened. I don't think so, Arden said. Silly girl, how long have you been married? Not nearly long enough. That's not what I meant. It's not my place to teach you about your body, since I don't have one of my own, but... Did you ever consider you could be pregnant? Arden stared for five long, stuttering heartbeats. She nearly dropped the pot as she fumbled blindly to put it down on her work table. 
Her feet kicked up the rugs as she ran for the door of her workroom. Glenna stayed where she was, her smile growing wider as she saw the princess scurry down the stairs much as she had done as a child. She heard the thud as the door slammed open at the bottom of the tower and turned to float to the window in time to see Arden fly out the door and across the leaf-strewn grass to meet up with her husband and brother. From so far away, Glinna couldn't hear their words, but she didn't need to. Arden grabbed Darian's hands and started dancing him around the garden. Glinna chuckled when Darian stopped short, nearly yanking Arden off her feet, and stared down at her. Then he gave out a shout and wrapped his arms tight around her, lifting her off the ground and spinning her wildly around as he kissed her. Alex stepped back, his grin wide enough for Glinna to see at the top of the tower. A soft humming filled the air, like a chord strummed on a tiny harp. The apple seedling trembled violently, and abruptly geysered eight more branches, dozens of leaves, and grew more than a foot taller. For several seconds, the glow of green-gold magic was nearly blinding. "'You really should learn more control, child,' Glynna said, shaking her head even as she smiled. She glanced out the window again, where the happy dance was just starting to slow. But later... Alex was alone in the gardens, the early summer day Arden went into labor. He could have sat with Coman and the other noblemen of the court in his father's study while they waited for the news and supported the nervous king, soon to be a grandfather. He could have gone into the chapel, where the ladies of the court were praying and chattering with excitement. He could have stayed in the outer rooms of Arden and Darien's suite, listening to the bustle of activity, supporting his closest friend through this nervous time, when all a man could do was worry. Darien was too busy holding Arden's hand, and too excited to need any support. Though Alex could face enemies with bloodlust in their eyes, and had, while on border patrol, the idea of standing idly by while his little sister suffered through labor made him feel nauseous, and, he admitted only to himself, he felt some measure of jealousy that she could smile through her pain. When would he ever find his true love? If the wizards were still roaming the land, I would ask one of them to make a maiden for me out of flowers, he told the apple tree that towered eight feet over his head, lush with leaves and the perfume of white blossoms. The tree swayed a little, lithe on its slim trunk, untouched by any wind. Did it respond to his words, or what Arden went through this moment? Maybe I should ask for a maiden made from one of your apples, hmm? He stroked the trunk and sank down on the grass under the wide-spreading limbs. You're a part of her. Would an apple maiden look like her? Is it wrong to think my sister is the most beautiful woman in the world? The tree shuddered, then seemed to twist and reach for the window of Arden's room. From where he sat, Alex couldn't hear anything, but he saw faint flickers of movement beyond the gauzy curtains. You're worried about her too, hmm? There's nothing I can do in there. I came out here because I know as long as you're all right, so is she. He flinched when the tree bent away from him, so the top leaves almost touched the ground. Alex leaped to his feet as a cry cut through the balmy air. He stared, breathless, at the window of his sister's room. Pink flowers burst out among the white apple blossoms, and golden apples appeared at the ends of ten branches. He staggered backward, grinning, his legs trying to fold underneath him. 
Alex put out a hand and leaned against the trunk as he sank to his knees. Yes, I'm very happy for her, too, he whispered. The fuss finally quieted. The ladies of the court witnessed the child's first kicks and cries and left in happy tears to spread the joyful news. When the new mother had been washed and dressed in clean clothes, Queen Elise put her granddaughter into the new father's arms. Darian sat down gingerly on the edge of Arden's bed, cradling the tiny, pink-wrapped bundle. He had ridden at a mad gallop through raiding parties and across mud and rocks, holding a bow in his hands, arrows in his teeth, guiding his mount with his knees, and felt far more unsure of himself now than at any other time in his life. He thought his chest would burst from the multitude of feelings spinning around inside. He wanted to laugh and cry and hug Arden and kiss her breathless. But then, kissing her breathless had ultimately led to this moment, hadn't it? And he most certainly didn't want her going through this day again, despite the reassurances of a dozen ladies that Arden's labor had been easy and quick. She has your mother's eyes, Arden whispered, tugging back the blanket to see their daughter's tiny wrinkled face, the most incredible shade of violet. My father used to tease her she should have been named Violet, not Rose. Darian's voice was rough, as if he had spent the last three hours shouting instead of holding Arden's hand, whispering encouragement and love and willing her every ounce of his strength. I approve of the name, Elise said with a chuckle, if my opinion has any value. Mother, Arden laughed, which made the sleeping baby open her violet eyes and give out a sound like a hiccup. I think she likes it. Darian gently touched the pale curls sitting on his tiny daughter's forehead. Very well, then. Violet, you shall be. She smiled up at her husband, and he couldn't resist the happiness in her eyes. They kissed, and the moment prolonged, engulfing their whole world as it had done at their wedding. Elise wisely stepped in and retrieved her granddaughter from the young father's arms before he started to relax or forgot she was there. We're already at the end of today's chapter. I hope you enjoyed yourself and you're eagerly looking forward to the next episode of Ye Old Dragons Library. <laughs>